Hi, I'm Misty Sussman Fox, and you're listening to ADA Live. Yo. Hi, right, let's roll. Let's go. Hi, everybody. On behalf of the Southeast ADA Center, the Burton Blatt Institute at Syracuse University, and the ADA National Network, welcome to this episode of ADA Live. I'm Barry Whaley, director at the Southeast ADA Center. As a reminder, listening audience, if you have questions about the Americans with Disabilities Act, you can use our online form anytime at adalive.org. Each year, 175,000 young Americans enlist in the military. At the heart of this recruitment effort is a sacred promise to take care of all of those who serve. In recognition of Veterans Day on November 11th, we welcome our guest today, Misty Stutzman Fox. Misty is the director of the Entrepreneurship and Small Business Portfolio at the Syracuse University Institute for Veterans and Military Families the IVMF. So Misty, I want to welcome you to ADA Live. Thank you so much for having me today. It's an honor. Misty, that, that sacred promise to, to take care of all that serve, well, that, you know, that's certainly reflected in Syracuse University's long history of commitment to veterans. I wonder if you could share some of that history and how the Institute for Veterans and Military Families came to be established. Sure. So if you really look back, Syracuse University, as you mentioned, had a very long dedication to veterans and their service. And it started with Chancellor Tolley, who opened the floodgates, saying that all veterans were welcome. And you saw a huge amount of veterans actually come to the Syracuse University campus. Previous to that, you know, we were a small kind of arts institution, and the enrollment actually doubled uh, right after the signing of the GI Bill and letting and veterans coming to higher education. From there, you know, we have the longest running ROTC, continuously running ROTC in the nation. And when Dr. Haney joined Syracuse University in 2007, he was a professor in Whitman of entrepreneurship. He had just left the Air Force and teaching at the Air Force Academy and started a boot camp for service disabled veterans called the Entrepreneurship Boot Camp for Veterans with Disabilities to help those veterans returning from the OIF and OEF conflicts to help craft their own vocation. And what started in 2007 with a, with a group of you know, hopeful entrepreneurs has now turned into an institute that has four pillars on more than just one entrepreneurship program and has served 160,000 to date. Uh, we have offices across the nation, over 100 staff members in support at this point. That's fantastic. What a number. What did you say? 100 and, and how many thousand? 62,000. Yeah. Wow, that's great. That's, that is a very impressive program. Thank you. Um, so, so the Institute for Veterans and Military Families, you have a lot of different programs and services and supports. Uh, could you describe some of those for us? Sure. So the Institute is really founded on four pillars. So of course, we have our entrepreneurship and small business pillar that has 11 national and actually one international program 
that are designed to meet military connected individuals where they are on their journey. So if you look at what that means, it means that if they're just thinking about entrepreneurship and they're transitioning, we have a boots to business program. If they are all the way to, if they are scaling uh, very quickly, I'm actually just returning from a conference that we host every year called veteran edge conference where veteran entrepreneurs that have an annual revenue over $2.5 million a year come together to learn how to scale and grow their companies. Um, Our other three pillars are an amazing research measurement and evaluation team that also works on policy who are brilliant and really help kind of lead the space in terms of cutting edge data that we all need to make decisions and that decision level data that we all need, you know, to move forward and make the right resources and tools that veterans can use. And then we also have our America SERS network, which is a community coordinated care network of nonprofits across the nation, making sure that, you know, no wrong door for veterans, they can get to the right resource in the least amount of time. And then of course, we have our honored opportunity team that does a lot of career preparation. Um, They have over 40 in-demand job credentials for veterans and military connected individuals like your PMP, your IT credentials, HR credentials, that they can actually enroll in classes for free, no use of GI Bill or anything, and get those for free and then be matched with careers as they move forward. So between those four pillars, as I mentioned, we've served over 160,000 individuals and we're still pushing forward, just making sure that we create those tools. But so our four pillars, like I said, would be that research, small business, community coordinated care, and of course our career building. This sounds very hands-on. It sounds like you're, you're providing practical supports um, for, yes. for returning veterans. Yes, yes, it is. It's extremely hands-on. And I think that to your point, it is just practical. It's what can we use now to make sure that you can move forward? You know, you said at the top that really, if we can't protect the post-service lives of our military-connected individuals, then it becomes a national security issue. If folks are not better off after the military than they were before the military, that creates a national security issue. So for us, we see it as an issue of national security to make sure that veterans and their spouses and their families are getting the jobs that they need, able to craft their own vocations that they need, making sure that they get the right resources. We know that there are tens of thousands of resources out there for veterans. So helping navigate those resources is is another thing that I think we all have to do. Right. Yeah, that's a very good point. Very, very well said. Um, so in March of this year, the, the uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics said that Gulf War era two veterans had an unemployment rate of 7.3%. And the 40% of those people had service-connected disability. Now, obviously, you know, we start comparing apples to oranges when we consider the the you know the unemployment rate during the pandemic and what that has done, but that's still a significant number of of people who are unemployed. So that's higher than the 2020 jobless rate for all veterans at 6.5% and more than double the unemployment rate of 3.1 back in 2019 prior to the pandemic when we were near full employment, right? So I'm curious how many of the veterans that, that you serve through IVMF, how many of them have disabilities and and 
Could, could you talk about maybe how, how the services for that group may differ or be the same for other veterans? Yeah, so we're looking at right about half of those that come through our small business portfolio identify themselves with a service-connected disability. Um, and of course, those ratings can be from 0% to 100%, just depending on, on the individual themselves. And we really look at how we break up our different programs to make sure they're as approachable as they can be for someone. So we do that in a few different ways. You know, first and foremost, for most of our, you know, if you look at EDV, we're able to craft a education or a week long where the folks are really immersed in it. So that means that we put them on a plane, we fly them to one of eight institutions across the nation. They stay there for an entire week of classes so they can really go through the ins and outs of starting their business. That way, in all honesty, if you remove the cost of a flight, the cost of a hotel, your barrier then is time and making the time to do so and making sure that the classes are set up in a way that you know, folks with different learning needs and abilities and even physical abilities can still be all there and present for those classes. We're doing the same thing for, you know, one of our supporters, Wounded Warriors, is enabling us to run a program in Florida at the end of the year. And what we did there is we really, folks have really adopted online learning in the past year, right, with the pandemic. And so we're strengthening our phase one, which is our online phase for that program, so that it is slightly longer and more in depth so that the in-person part of that program only needs to be three days. We do this with a lot of our programs where we adopt a three-phase approach to where folks can learn online and sort of level set and get a good foundation of what they can then come into the in-person class with. And that in-person class can really be focused on getting the, the materials that they need to execute the idea that they thought of and really asking themselves the tough questions as they move forward. Those in-person things can be those in-person, I guess, events can be two and a half days. If you look at our veteran women igniting the spirit of entrepreneurship or VWISE program, or about a week, if you look at our EBV or entrepreneurship bootcamp for veterans or EBVF, which is the same program, but for caretakers and spouses. And then from there, we have phase three. And I think this is really the bread and butter of the IVMF in that it's not just a training program for us. This phase three allows us to have a continuous relationship with our veterans, meaning we have 41 different post-program support partners that do about a million dollars in pro bono services a year. So that as entrepreneurs continue to grow, they may face new challenges, whether that be due to medical status or just the journey of entrepreneurship alone, we have resources that are there ready to work with them. We've gone so far as to employ um, consultants that understand disability ratings and understand what the effects of business ownership can be so that our entrepreneurs can meet with them to understand what are special resources that are specialized for folks that might be you know, working with uh, disabilities and, and what that can look like. And we've even form some great relationships with certifiers like Disability In, formerly USBLN, um, so that they can also help some of our entrepreneurs that are facing unique challenges, kind of get the mentorship that they need as they move forward. I do think that, you know, it is, it's interesting. We did a study with the IBMF, which is our national survey for military affiliated entrepreneurs. 
We found that a majority of veterans with businesses that have a service-connected disability, that 46% of them said they didn't feel supported by medical and disability service providers, and that 32% said that their disability creates obstacles, and 35% said that entrepreneurship helped them overcoming their challenges. So, you know, and, and helped with their recovery process and played a significant role in that recovery process. And I think that's the point. Is that with all of this to say, like, how is it different or how is it not different? We said it earlier. It's very high touch. It's very in-depth, but it's also continuous. So that as you move forward with your business, we have a new resource and another resource that meets you with your scaling needs. And I think that that's all great. Yeah, I think that that continuous relationship, I mean, that is just so valuable that that this isn't a short-term type program that somebody is involved in. And then, and then it's like, okay, good luck, you know? Exactly. <laughs> you well. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, and, and, and those long-term relationships are so important. And then, you know, the other thing that was interesting is we are actually recording this episode in, in October, which is National Disability Employment Awareness Month. So, you, you know, that never underestimate that therapeutic value of work in, you know, helping with, with veteran reentry and, and helping with reestablishment in, in the civilian workforce. Yeah. So, and I think that, you know, a big part of all this is that with the cohort-based model too, you have 30 other veterans that have faced a lot of the same challenges or they know someone who has. Yeah. So, you know, it's, we can sit here and put together an amazing training program and we do demand excellence and set new bars for training programs all the time. But it's sometimes it's just having that 30 other battle buddies in the room that share like experiences that really kind of create the magic of a lot of this community. Yeah, that's, that's very true. Good, good point. Let's go back briefly. You had mentioned the, the entrepreneurship bootcamp. Mm -hmm. uh, and I wonder if you could give me a little more information on, on what, what's offered in the bootcamp. Yeah. So our bootcamp is our oldest program. It was started in 2007, like we said, it is one of our programs that is kind of the foundation of all things that are IVMF. I mean, it's the first thing that we ever started hosting before IVMF was IVMF. So we have a few different versions of EBV now, but we'll start with kind of how it started. Veterans are military connected individuals. So when I say military connected in this case, I mean spouses or caregivers can apply for the program. Then that program, depending on where they are, in terms of geography, but also what their needs are in terms of timing is hosted eight times throughout the year at partner institutions across the nation. And partner institutions include folks like University of Connecticut or UConn, University of Missouri, Mizzou. Um, we have Louisiana State University, Florida State University, Texas A&M, UCLA, St. Joseph's University, et cetera. And they host three phases. The first phase, like I mentioned, is about a two and a half week online phase where you can get level set, meet your classmates, kind of understand what expectations are and how we're going to push forward with the program. From there, we, like I said, pay for these individuals to get on a flight to go to one of these institutions, 
to stay at a hotel for eight days. And during those eight days, we bring in over 30 different speakers and breakouts and all sorts of folks to kind of chat about everything business ownership. But a special part of it is we bring in local entrepreneurs to meet with them too during the Genius Bar so they can get that real-time mentorship. We know that through research, social networks and mentor networks are one of the top challenges for military-connected entrepreneurs, obviously because they've PCS'd and they've you know changed locations every few years. So being able to kind of bring those folks together and not only with the social network, but the mentor network is really important. From there, they graduate into what's called phase three. And in that phase three, they get all sorts of resources from um, sales to website support, to logo design, to databases, et cetera. As I mentioned, we do about a million dollars a year in pro bono services through them. And then they're part of the IVMF family. And what does that IVMF family mean? We host monthly webinars on a variety of topics, Facebook lives during like, while PPP and idle and restaurant revitalization were all coming out. We were able to get on with the SBA administration to give them in time, you know, just in time information so they could then really capitalize and leverage those opportunities as well. And we have 11 other programs that they can then graduate into to kind of continue their journey. So it's very normal for a graduate to go through our Boots to Business program or B2B upon transition and then go to VYs when they're really kind of getting started and then graduate into EBV as they continue to move forward and then on to EBV Accelerate when they hit that five or more employees and then on to Edge when they're ready to go contract with a major company. And that's that lifetime continuum that we talked about that was very important. A comprehensive program. That's that's fantastic. Oh, yeah. yeah. Th- thanks, Misty. So ADA Live listening audience, if you have questions about this topic or any other ADA Live topic, you can submit your questions either online at adalive.org or you can call the Southeast ADA Center at 1-404-541-9001. We're going to pause now for a word from uh, our sponsor for this episode. The Institute for Veterans and Military Families, or IVMF, at Syracuse University is the first place in higher education dedicated to improving the lives of military families. Beginning in 2007, with a single program, the Institute for Veterans and Military Families mission has never changed in service to those who served. Beginning with Whitman School of Management professor Michael Haney's experiences working with traumatically injured veterans, his vision for a program that empowered veterans post-service evolved into something greater. Today, the Institute for Veterans and Military Families has supported over 150,000 veterans, transitioning service members and military spouses through the provision of career training, connection to community resources, entrepreneurship opportunities, and research and analytics. To learn more about the incredible work of the Institute for Veterans and Families at Syracuse University, please visit ivmf.syracuse.edu. Thank you, Celestia, and welcome back, everybody. 
We're talking with Misty Stutzman-Fox. She's the director of the Entrepreneurship and Small Business Portfolio at Syracuse University's Institute for Veterans and Military Families. Misty, before the break, you were telling us about the, the boot camp and you had mentioned this consortium of, of schools that are part of your, your work. So you want to tell us a little bit more about those schools and how they were selected and, and what role they play in this? Yeah, so these schools have really dated back to the beginnings. If you look at, we started in 2007 and then quickly after Purdue, Florida State, UCLA and Texas A&M decided that they wanted to join as well. And so how did that work? Honestly, academia is just like any other professional network. We all know each other very well. And when you see kind of a cutting edge program with entrepreneurship going on, and especially one that has the results that EBV does, I mean, 70% of our graduates are starting businesses. They had huge revenues last year. 17 um, graduates landed on the E5000 Vet 100 list last year, which is extremely exciting. And that is the fastest growing veteran owned businesses in the nation. But these schools were selected because they volunteered. So they said, we want to do this and our administration's behind us. And this is something that we find just as important as Syracuse University. It's not something that we recruited schools for. And I think that's very important because it really shows the dedication that these schools have to making it happen. And I think that that is really what's been the driving force behind how great this program has been for veterans. But those schools are St. Joseph's University in totality now. St. Joseph's University, Texas A&M University, of course, Syracuse University, University of Missouri, University of Connecticut, uh, UCLA, so University of California, Los Angeles, as well as, of course, Louisiana State University and Florida State University. The only two schools that no longer currently host programs just due to several different changes would be Cornell and Purdue, but those schools had very specialized programs as well. In addition, it's worth mentioning, we've now launched two great new partnerships with community colleges. So our EBV program has been around since 2007. We have a new program named Strive that actually works in communities with veteran entrepreneurs. And we have schools at East Tennessee State University as well as Hillsborough Community College that run those programs within their communities and were expanded to three new schools this year. And again, the great part about that is this is a very, it's a volunteer effort upon these schools. So they're the ones that help organize it and keep it to the IBMF standards. But, you know, it's just as much of a passion project for them as it is for us. I'm glad you mentioned the community colleges because I, I, I believe that they play a very critical role, especially with veteran reentry to civilian life as well as you know, younger people who, who really aren't sure if college is for right. them or what they want to study, or maybe they're looking at more of a, a, a practical trade. So I, I think those linkages with the community college systems are so very important. Exactly. And you know, to your point, they're just not sure about higher ed. And it's, it's something to the, to the earlier point I made about the only barrier being time, all of our programs are free. Yeah. So it's even less of a barrier if you just have to go over once a week to a community college as opposed to clear weeks straight of vacation. And that's the whole point is we're trying to create several different points of access so that folks can just get started, get moving and kind of get out of the 
you know, the analysis paralysis and, and just make a forward movement into entrepreneurship and figure it out if it's for them or not. And, yeah. you know, either way, we have a program for that. Yeah, that's, that's good, good information. So we know that people, Misty, that returning veterans, you, you know, the, the experience of civilian reentry can be so very different for different veterans. You know, some people do real well. Some people um, struggle. I'm wondering if we could talk just for a minute about what does the military do when you are leaving service? What do they do to, to prepare you for exiting service and reentry? You know, I think that there's a lot of different things that the military does. And I think that it's now just how do we start to tie all these pieces together in terms of, of, of first best use. Of course, they have training and they're transitioning ser- for transitioning service members in the TAP program. So in that, you know, there's something for career, career education, as well as entrepreneurship education, as well as you know, how to start looking for a college degree. Um, And with that, it is, you know, that's something they can do within the last 18 months of their transition before they go into the civilian life. There's, of course, SkillBridge, and then they have public-private partnerships, such as the Onward Opportunity Program that I mentioned earlier for further training and connection with employers. And I think while that is, you know, great. I think that the other idea or the thing that we have to really think about as service providers is that veterans are also still trying to figure out where am I going after transition? Am I going back to my, you know, hometown, which about a third do? Am I going to a new town? Am I going to wherever my last duty station is? And then what do I need to know about industry trends, et cetera? So while the military does a lot uh, for folks, I think that it really you know, there's, there's a role for employers and other folks to, to kind of step in at that point. Um, and of course, you know, we're always hoping that we can get to a little further on the continuum to the left before transition to make the connection then so that we can make sure that as they transition out, it's as smooth as possible. So Misty, I'm curious, do you become aware of transitioning veterans before they leave service or after they have left service? And typically how long after they leave service before they find you? So it really depends. So we can find them during transition through our programs like Boots to Business or Onward to Opportunity, right? And those are two programs that they can do prior to transition. Usually there's an 18-month timeline, meaning that they can't take advantage of those programs until they're within 18 months of transition. So that's one consideration. Now that said, on the flip side of when they find us, it can really be different for, you know, any of our programs. So let's take EBV, for example. EBV, the typical graduate, is a 44-year-old E4 with a graduate degree. So what does that mean? It typically means that they only had one or two enlistments. So they were only in for a few years and then came out, usually in their 20s somewhere, and got their education, hopefully using the GI bills. It's one of the most expensive packages that we've had. And then from there, got some corporate experience and then started their business. 
So when you look at, you know, how typically veteran entrepreneurs out earn their civilian counterparts, they typically pay their employees up to 20% more, but they also typically have a great background of which they've used a few things. Now that said, I think that as we mentioned, you know, there's over 40,000 VSOs in the nation and VSO being a veteran service organization. And with that amount of VSOs, you get into a lot of noise in terms of what resource is good and where should I go first? And I think that that's the part that a lot of folks as they're figuring out transition and figuring out how to get a car and buy a house and all of those other items, you know, that can be a huge challenge. And so finding us while we wish that it was as soon as they, you know, came out, we also know that, or as soon as before they get out of the service or transition, we also know that, you know, being able to have timely resources, no matter where they are in their transition is a great item and a great just impact for that. So, you know, to further kind of explain that a little bit for many service members, the transition experience is tenuous and difficult and you're required to, you know, as I mentioned, find a new car, start a business, move to a different part of the country and find your new identity. And we know that there's a lot of challenges. So that loss of connection with military community is one of the top challenges for veterans or the sense of purpose and camaraderie and then navigating that health system and financial struggles and all of those things that kind of get piled into it. And it's not just a problem for a few months. It can be something that lasts a decade. And so I think that being able to have these programs that, yes, on transition, but if you miss it, then don't worry, we can still work with you six months, a year, 10 years, seven years, 20 years after you transition is just as important because it isn't something that happens in a snapshot of time. It's a long cycle and transition isn't something where you just go, boom, I'm done. I, I'm transitioned and we're all set now. It's something that is it's continuous and that you have to continually work on. Very good points, all of them, Misty. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about employers for a minute. All right. What role do employers take in helping with this transition? And, and how does IVMF, how do you engage those employers? So we really do a lot with our employer side of things. We've done some research centered around workforce readiness, which we defined as the combination of what the veteran brings to the workplace and what the employer does to proactively help veterans succeed there. For an employer's customized approach to veteran hiring. So you've got to focus on more skill sets and specialty areas, supporting mentorship programs, ensuring that employees and HR professionals in particular are trained on military cultural competence. Um, and, And that's key. So there's been things like our veterans job mission, which our COO, when she was at JP Morgan Chase helped set up um, and, and ways that, you know, corporations are now bonding together to say, how do we educate our, each other? We also run the coalition for veteran owned businesses, which is the same idea, but for supplier diversity individuals to say, okay, what do we need to do better to get more veteran owned businesses into our supply chains? And how do we translate these skills and how do we create custom programs to fit their unique needs? For veteran job seekers, you know, it's time to explore pre-transition career resources and educational benefits, leverage mentorship and on-the-job training programs, and seek positions at veteran-friendly organizations 
when possible because they will likely have those customized items to move forward. But what we do to work with employers is we have our onward opportunity direct to hire efforts. So as folks are coming out with their new credential, whether that's you know their PMP or their CISSP, as I mentioned earlier, they have employers that can then work with them directly to get them onboarded. We, you know, as I mentioned, there's the veterans job mission, which we really help kind of inform in the space as well as the coalition for veteran owned business. We also worked on a cultural competence training for HR professionals and have trained nearly 20,000 HR professionals on building and developing hiring initiatives for veterans and military spouses. And I think that being able to concentrate on both sides of the coin like that is just extremely important and it kind of puts the onus on both sides. So what can an employer do to better meet the veteran and how can the veteran better position themselves to meet that employer? And then hopefully between those two items, you have a more successful transition. Very good point. Yep. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, so finally, I'm curious, um, say I'm a veteran or, or I'm, I've just recently left service and I'm trying to figure out what to do next. I'm kind of lost in my transition to civilian life. What are some of these start here resources that, that you might want to recommend for, for folks? No, there's so many great organizations out there. I would, of course, I mean, I have to say, get to know the Institute for Veterans and Military Families because, you know, it's not just what we do, but it's the network that we command that can help get veterans to the right resource between our America Serves work and Honored Opportunity and our small business portfolio and even our amazing researchers. We have connections to many, many different resources and the number of times someone's come in our front door with something that we don't technically offer a program on, but we're still able to connect them. It's great. I would also say, get involved in your communities. Look at things like, you know, Team RWB or Rubicon and just groups that you can volunteer with. The mission continues to get connected back into your community. And the reason being, because those folks will know what resources are right in your backyard that you know can help with anything in transition and know other folks that are serving near you and, and getting the help you need. The other big thing is look at educational partners, Onward Opportunity and other great organizations that are looking at how to get you connected and educated on transition and the struggles that you might face. And the reason being is that it's another network. I think a lot of times veterans tend to think, well, I should take that resource from someone else, but they're not necessarily, you know, while we all work in a resource-constrained environment because it is a nonprofit, it's not finite, meaning it's developed and delivered for veterans. So never be afraid to take advantage of those uh, great organizations. If you're starting a business, another great place to get involved is, of course, the Small Business Administration. They have resource partners across the nation that host workshops and things like that, that you can, again, get connected to like-minded individuals. And other groups like Kaufman, who have One Million Cups, where you can meet up with other entrepreneurs and really kind of get the learning that you need. But I think that for everyone, it's, it's diving into the community and finding other folks with you know, shared background experiences that you can connect with, because then when you go forward and need a resource, you can find someone that's already vetted that resource that knows how it works, that can give you the tips that you need to move forward in your transition. And so 
my biggest piece of advice would just be get connected. Don't be afraid to send out a connection or a message on LinkedIn or any other platform that you can use. And that way you can start really working through and finding all the resources that have been curated for you as a military connected individual. That's great. Thank you, Misty. And, and the resources you mentioned and, and many more will be included on the resource sheet that will accompany this episode of, of ADA Live. So Misty, thank you so much for sharing your, your time uh, with us today. What a great program you have. I, I wish you all the best and continued success. This has been great. Thanks so much in giving us the opportunity to share about it. I mean, it's, you know, the, the first best step is to, for someone to actually know that we're here. And then from there, get in touch with our team and we'll get you to the right resource. Very true. Yep. Thank you. So thank you, Misty. And thank you, ADA Live listeners for joining us for this episode. To access ADA Live episodes, go to our website. That's adalive.org. All episodes are archived with streamed audio, accessible transcripts, and as I mentioned, comprehensive resources. You can listen to ADA Live on our SoundCloud channel. Just go to soundcloud.com forward slash ADA Live. You can also download ADA Live to your mobile device. Just go to your podcast app and search for ADA Live. If you have questions about the Americans with Disabilities Act, you can submit them anytime online at adalive.org or you can contact your regional ADA center at 1-800-949-4232. And as always, those calls are free and they're confidential. ADA Live is a program of the Southeast ADA Center. Our producer is Celestia Razda with Beth Harrison, Mary Mortar, Emily Ruber, Marsha Schwanke, and me, I'm Barry Whaley. Our music is from Four Wheel City, the movement for improvement. We'll see you next episode. And happy Veterans Day, everybody. Yeah, copies over us. They watching. They don't want us to be a part of this city, man. They pull all these steps, man. All these curves you can't get all good, though. All these inaccessible stores. Four wheel cities.